0: Good evening, everyone. Tonight we come to our last sermon in this two Timothy series. In the last sermon that you if you were able to be here, that you heard, we heard about what it is to finish the race well. And what are we to do? We had to preach God's word faithfully, knowing that there is a great reward. Tonight we're going to look at the cost of that reward, and this leads us to our last section. For tonight, we now come to a section of scripture that for some of you might not look exciting. You might have read it this last week, or you may have read it before and thought, well, this is just all formalities. That was what I too thought until I spent more time in this passage. And I realized that Paul finishes his letter to Timothy, his second letter, with rich theology and many lessons for us all to learn from. Paul, he's not just dotting his I's and crossing his T's with this last section. No, there is a lot of great theology that we have been blessed with, that God has blessed us with in this final section. And I hope and pray that you enjoy it and are blessed by it. So let's now hear from God's word, and then I will pray. So if you have your Bibles, please open to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read from verses 9, 22, page 1183 in the pew Bibles that you might have in front of you. Let's hear from God's Word. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers Lord, be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for blessing us, Lord, with your words. And I pray, Lord, that as they are preached now, Lord, that your spirit may be working in our hearts and lives to be transformed by your word. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak now, Lord, may not be mine but yours. And I pray that the gospel may be proclaimed truthfully, honestly and boldly, For your name's sake, Lord, for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Loneliness. It's a horrible thing. Feeling lonely can be such a sad thing. I want to ask, have you ever felt lonely or deserted by people or a particular person? How did you feel? when you were deserted or alone? Was it tough emotionally and mentally? We know that it can be quite difficult emotionally and it can be quite challenging when you're alone. I don't know about you, but but when I feel alone and deserted, I I look around hoping there is someone there to comfort me and strengthen me and encourage me. Recently, I've heard of many Christians overseas who've had an experience of loneliness that I might never ever experience. I recently heard of Madhuri, who became a Christian in India. She was from a Hindu family and village, and once her family and village heard that she became a Christian, they threw her out of home and out of her village. She had nowhere to go. She was alone alone. And deserted. The same thing happened to Mian in Laos. Now, when she became a Christian, her Buddhist family beat her and then threw her out of home. She had nowhere to go. She was alone and deserted. Our passage tonight is one that would encourage Madhuri and Mian. Paul here, experiences loneliness and desertion. In fact, he experienced many challenges in life, but he shares his hope. He reminds us that God is always there to strengthen and sustain us by the power of his grace. And as we just sang, though a thousand fall around me, though death looks me in the eye, evil shall not have the victory while the Lord is is at my side. So tonight, I have four things that I will share with you as we finish to Timothy. Uh, these four points are: one, we all need help. We all need help. Verses nine to fifteen. Uh, two, we all face desertion. Verses sixteen to seventeen a. Three, we all need rescuing. Verses seventeen b to eighteen. And I'll finish up with one fourth point. I know it's not a three point; it's a four pointer. Fourth point. We all need grace. Verses 19 to 22. So let's come back to verses 9 to 15 and see why we all need help. See, there is something very interesting in this passage. I hope that you were able to see it. And that is that Paul is human like you and me. We usually think of Paul as the great theologian who stood firm and was unshakable in his faith. But we forget that he too was a frail human being, just like you and me. And in these verses, he looks and he asks for three things. uh, Company, clothes, and books. Uh, Let me first explain why he seeks company. Verse 9 he tells Timothy to come to him soon. And he repeats this command in verse 21 as well. And then he mentions in verse 10 that Demas deserted him for all for the things of the world. And then he has Crescens, Titus, Tychicus. They all leave to serve in other places, as you see in verses 10 to 12. And only Luke, the doctor who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, is left with him. Paul seeks Why? Because ministry can be incredibly lonely. There are times when gospel workers need encouragement. The work they do is not a solo effort. See, we all serve one God with one main goal, and this is not done alone we are part of a bigger team, far bigger than we can imagine. I mean, how encouraging it is when we remember that ministry is not done alone. How encouraging to know that God is using other people and their unique skills to serve Him. How encouraging it is to have other brothers and sisters there for each other in their time of need. See, maybe this week, you can encourage and join the company of a fellow believer. You can go visit them, or have a coffee with them, or even give them a call or a text. You see, it might not seem like much, but it makes a big difference. It really does. And maybe you might feel lonely this week. Reach out to another brother or sister reach out to them isaac adams he says this this love means not treating someone like a problem just because they have a problem this love means putting other people's desires before our own this love means going through trouble if it means getting our neighbor out of trouble we all need company the other thing that paul asks for the second thing is clothes and in verse 13, he says, When you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas. Now, don't forget, Paul is in prison. This is not like Barwon Prison in Geelong, where you have cells that aren't waterlogged. Uh, you, you have a gym to keep fit at Barwon. You have clothes and shoes given to you to wear. You have food to eat. See, Paul is in a prison. he's damp and wet. There'll be mice and rats in these living conditions that he has. And what makes things worse is that when it's winter, it would be bitterly cold. And for Paul, winter's coming. In verse 21 it tells us this. And what does Paul know that he needs to get through winter? He needs a cloak to keep him warm who who wants to spend every night awake suffering with freezing conditions paul knows that winter is coming and the last thing paul asks for are books and parchments now we can't forget that paul is the second largest contributor to the new testament he's written letters taught And explain doctrine to so many Christians through his ministry. And Paul has has learned, and he'll continue to learn. He won't just stop. And there's two helpful points here from Paul that we can learn from. First, reading and growing in our understanding of God's word is incredibly important for the Christian. We should never stop learning. Why? Because if we knew everything, absolutely everything possible about the gospel and the work of salvation in Jesus, it would still be just a drop in the ocean. See, Paul doesn't stop reading and learning and neither should we. The second thing that Paul teaches us here is that there is no such thing as retirement for the Christian. Now, you might have heard that word today. There is no such thing. You see, yes, we will retire from certain jobs and roles that we have in this life. But we never retire from serving Jesus. That work never stops. Why is that? Because our retirement is in heaven. See, Paul He doesn't stop the gospel work he has on earth because he knows that it will stop in heaven. Think about it. Just think about it. Do people evangelize in heaven? No. But while on earth, while here in this present life, people need to be taught God's word and they need to teach it to others. the work is not done until we are with Christ in glory the work does not stop now the last thing to mention as to why we all need help is with regards to alexander the coppersmith i want to highlight him in verses 14 or 15 because we seem to see that this man was a man who dealt with bronze and silver and gold and he also did great harm to Paul, his ministry, and opposed him. And what does Paul tell Timothy? He says, watch out for this Alexander guy. He caused me great issues by opposing me, and he might cause you great issues too. But don't think that you need to get him back for what he did to me. The Lord will repay him according to what he has done. The Lord is the final judge And vengeance is his, not ours. So Timothy, don't try and seek revenge. God will deal with him. See, in ministry, there will be many people who cause harm and opposition to the truth. But we do not need to take revenge. God will repay them for what they have done. We all need help in ministry. Now, the second thing I want to mention to you tonight is that we all face desertion. So if you look at verses 16 to 17, it says, At my first defence, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I don't know if you picked up on verse 16, but how sad and discouraging is it? Can can you imagine Paul, a theological titan, the second largest contributor to the New Testament, a warrior for the gospel, and one of the greatest theologians in the church? He was deserted by everyone. It it shocks me. And yet here we see that no one came to stand by him at his first defence. Whether this first defence was his first imprisonment or not, it's not clear. But what is clear is that no one was there. Everyone, as it says, deserted him. Can you imagine ever deserting your favourite theologians in their time of need? Imagine deserting Derek Thomas, or Sinclair Ferguson, or Alice Tebegg, or Ligan Duncan, or Kevin DeYoung, or John MacArthur, or imagine deserting our pastors, uh, Joel, Jordan, Zien, and Gerald. Just, just, just visualize deserting them in their when they face their greatest trial and challenge? What what if you said to them, see you later, alligator, when they need you the most? How could we ever desert someone who is faithful to God's Word? And yet, that is what happened to Paul. As he faced trial and knew that he would soon die. There was a moment where he was deserted. Don't, Don't just think that because you're faithful to God, you won't face desertion and loneliness. If it happened to Paul, there's a good chance that it may happen to you. You may face desertion, opposition and persecution like Paul. And like 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says, you will have difficulty. But don't stop proclaiming the message of the gospel. No matter what the cost, don't stop telling people about the salvation that we have in Jesus. You see, people will do you great harm. People will oppose your message. They may even desert you. In fact, people you've poured your whole life into can turn their backs on you at any moment. People let down Paul. But he doesn't hold it against them. No. He could very easily be angry and he could say, what great disappointments those people are that is not what he does, nor is it the way of his Saviour, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You see, Paul forgives those who deserted him. And he seems to have forgiven and repaired his relations with Mark as well. And why can Paul forgive others? It's because Paul himself has been forgiven. If you know about the Apostle Stephen from the book of Acts, you'll know that he was stoned. And you will know that Paul, at that time, was named Saul. He was there allowing people to stone Stephen. Paul saw Stephen stoned and dying. And now Paul is not the persecutor, but the persecuted. And where does Paul now find his strength? Who does Paul look to, to strengthen and sustain him? And what is Paul's hope and anchor for his soul in his time of need and desertion? Paul finds his strength in his Saviour, the risen Lord Jesus. And he's is there beside Paul. And he doesn't leave him. He is is enough for Paul, even in the darkest and most tumultuous of situations. And do you know that the same Saviour that stood by Paul, the same Saviour that strengthened him, the same Saviour that uses a sinner like Paul, he uses us. he he, he takes that which is of no value and he cleans us he protects us and he cares for us as his own in your times of need in your times of struggle when you might feel deserted and alone jesus doesn't abandon you in fact through his spirit working in you he gives you the strength to get through. None of us, none of us deserve this amazing love. We are the least of these. And yet Jesus guards us, protects us, and uses us for his glorious purposes. If, if God can use people who have been his enemies for his glory, how can he not use us for his glory? Some of us here have the privilege of being in full-time ministry. We feel inadequate to serve God in our roles. But how amazing that through His servants, God proclaims His gospel message to others. Some of you here have the privilege to serve as leaders at Donville Presbyterian Church. How amazing that God would use you To proclaim his message as an elder, a connect group leader, a youth group leader, a children's church leader, a music leader, and so many other ways. And and some of you, some of you here, you get to meet so many people each week in your workforce who, who watch your life and ask you questions. How amazing that that through you, your colleagues get to witness what a Christian is and what they believe. And some of you here go to uni, praise God that he would use you at this time of your life to be a witness amongst your friends and peers. And they can hear the message of the gospel because God uses you to take it to them. See, God uses us to proclaim His message to those around us. And He uses us and He works through us, through the work of His Holy Spirit. How good is God? He doesn't just just stand by us, but He strengthens us and He rescues us. And this leads me to the third thing I want to share with you. That is, we all need rescuing. So, Paul, he was, he was rescued from the lion's mouth. Uh, what does this mean? Well, we, we actually don't know. It could be uh, rescue from uh, Rome and the Roman Emperor Nero. It could be a rescue from, from all the towns and cities that tried to kill him. Or it could be a literal lion he's rescued from. We just don't know. But what we do know is that God rescued Paul from every trial. God is the one who will bring Paul into his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, Jesus, he doesn't abandon his gospel servants. And we see that with Paul. Even though everyone else might, God stands by his people and he rescues his people from not some, not, not a few, but every evil deed. Remember, Jesus was deserted by his disciples when he was on the cross. And while we were still his enemies, shoving our fist in his face, he died for us. He was opposed by people who rejected his message. He was beaten, mocked, and scorned and all of this happened to jesus so that we can be rescued from every evil situation we face even death yes jesus rescues us from death and he brings us to life if you're here tonight and you think oh, i'm pretty safe i don't need rescuing Know this, we all face death and we all need to be rescued from the vicious enemy that is death. Staring down death is, is like staring into the mouth of a lion. It's a, it's a very, very scary thing. You see, the lion's mouth can crush your head. It can can kill in an instant. Lions are scary animals. In fact, I had a female friend of mine who said that she had to stare down a lion once. This was when she was at Kruger National Park in South Africa. And she said that she looked and she saw the lion very close. And it was staring her down. And the lion had two things it could have done. It could have either eaten her alive, or walked away. Now the lion walked away, and she breathed a a sigh of relief. But, But unlike a lion, death doesn't walk away. We all have to face it one day. And who can save us from death? Who can give us life and rescue us? Only one person. Jesus. See, no one else can bring you into His heavenly kingdom. Only Jesus does this. And He doesn't just rescue us from evil. He rescues us from death. See, if you trust in Him, He will rescue you. Whether that means taking you through suffering or bringing you into eternal life from suffering, God will rescue you and complete what He has started in you. So far, we've seen that we all need help. We all face desertion and we all need rescuing. But but how does God sustain us through it all? Uh, what, What assurance do we have when we feel the weight and the pressure of the burdens of this world. What about we might have doubts and fears through times of struggle? What, what does God do? He gives us grace. This is the last thing I want to share with you tonight. The fourth thing. We all need grace. Verse 22 says, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace is... Be with you. Now, the you, in the final verse, it's a plural you. The you is not, not, it's not a you, it's actually a use. Now, this is not a word that we use in English. We don't say use, or some people might use it in 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 the wrong way. Uh, But this, this you here, it's a plural you. And it tells us something important. This letter that Paul writes to Timothy is not just for Timothy, but for all those who read it, for all God's people. And it's telling us that we, as God's people, all need grace. God's grace strengthens us. It gets us through. You see, God grants His grace to us, not because of anything we've done, but because of the perfect work of His Son. God is gracious, and His grace is so powerful. It it strengthens us for faithful service. It reminds us that in all we do, it's not in our strength that we get through. It's not in our intellect. It's not in our ability. It's not in our speech. It is all God and what He is doing. His grace is what empowers us. when you feel weak when you feel powerless when you feel like you're not not up for the task or maybe you're the wrong person for the task that god has in front of you remember that god strengthens you by his grace 2 corinthians 12 verses 9 to 10 says my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then am I strong. If you've had health struggles recently, if you've recently lost a loved one, or if you've had financial or even mental health struggles and other other difficult struggles you might have had, know that you don't need to trust in your own strength or abilities to get through. The the gospel doesn't work because of us. See, God, He gives us the grace we need to serve Him. He empowers us through His Spirit. See, we can't do it in our own strength, and we never will. We never will be able to serve God in our own strength But it's by his grace that we can serve him and make it through each day no matter how difficult and painful it is for us so i encourage you to cling to god's grace don't forget it but grow in your love for it and keep coming back to it for your source of strength I want to finish tonight by sharing with you a personal story that I think sums up this passage tonight and the book of Two Timothy as a whole. In 2020, uh, during COVID and tough restrictions, I sadly had my Old Testament lecturer pass away. His name was John De Hoog. I don't know if any of you know him, but he passed away due to an aggressive cancer. I couldn't visit John. In person but on his birthday I was encouraged to send him an email and as during this time I was told that his time was near and in this email I thanked him for the way that he was an example and encouragement to me and I was able to send him a link to this beautiful song that I hoped would encourage him as he was just about to die cancer. The lyrics were a, very, were a great blessing to him, and John shared that with me. And they reminded him that while death was near, while he was lonely and couldn't have any visitors, and even though cancer would ensure that he breathed his last breath, he had a great hope. Let me share these lyrics with you. Some of you might know these lyrics they go minor days that god has numbered i was made to walk with him yet i look for worldly treasure and forsake the king of kings but mine is hope in my redeemer though i fall his love is sure For christ has paid my every failing I am his forevermore. Mine are tears in times of sorrow, darkness not yet understood. Through the valley I must travel where I see no earthly good. But mine is peace that flows from heaven and the strength in times of need. I know my pain will not be wasted. Christ completes his work in me. Mine are days here as a stranger, pilgrim on a narrow way, one with Christ, I will encounter harm and hatred for his name. But mine is armor for this battle, strong enough to last the war, and he has said he will deliver safely too the golden shore and minor keys to Zion City where beside the King I walk for there my heart has found its treasure Christ is mine forevermore let me pray our gracious heavenly Father Lord we long for the day we can be with our saviour we long for the day where lord there will be no more pain no more suffering no more tears until that day we pray come lord jesus come and lord we thank you that despite the various challenges and struggles we have despite the many hills and the many valleys Lord, we thank you that you sustain us, Lord, by the power of your grace. Lord, may we continue to look to you, Lord, and to know that it is not through our strength that we get through, but because of you, Lord, powerfully working in us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.